Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, girlfriend. Hello, Mr. Roberts. How are you doing today? I am doing okay. It has been a long week. It has been a long week. My son and daughter-in-law, I guess I should say our son and daughter-in-law, stole the baby this week. Oh, my. (laughs) You having withdrawals? Having withdrawals. Actually, they went on vacation to Gulf Shores. This is the longest I've been without seeing that baby in 16 months. He's been pretty good about FaceTime, though. Yep. So that was fun. Yeah. But Bethany's come over quite a bit this week, so that's been nice. So happy Father's Day. Well, thank you. Did you like your gift? Perfect. Very thoughtful. (laughs) So I was reading the Bible this week, and remember in our last podcast we did running in the Bible? I do remember that. Well, I stumbled across swimming in the Bible this week. I did. It was in Acts chapter 27, verses 43 and 44. So as the story goes, Paul was being taken to Rome to have his case heard by Augustus Caesar. And their ship encountered a storm. The ship ran aground and was going to be torn apart and... The uh, Romans who were in charge of the ship thought about killing all of the prisoners, but the captain of the ship said he didn't want to do that because he knew that Paul had been wise counsel to them on the journey. And so he told everyone who knew how to swim to jump in the water and swim. And if you didn't know how to swim, take a piece of wood from the boat and make your way to the shore. Swimming in the Bible. Well, there you go. Who knew? What else you got? Well, at work, someone posted on our internal social media site about the Murph Challenge. Have you heard of the Murph Challenge? I mean, you'd think I'd have heard of the Murph Challenge since my maiden name is Murphy. I had not heard of it. Apparently, it's a thing. It's a thing. Let me tell you about it. So, the Murph Challenge is in memory of Lieutenant Michael P. Murphy. And I don't know his his backstory. My grandfather's name was Michael Murphy. Well. But he wasn't a lieutenant. No. Did he serve in the military? No. Okay. <laughs> well, the Murph Challenge is quite difficult. As I understand it, you run one mile. Sounds easy. Then you do a hundred pull-ups. Can you take breaks between each one? I'm assuming you can take as much time as you need. I don't know all the rules. Then you do 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and then you run another mile, and you're supposed to wear a 20-pound vest. The whole time? Or body armor. The whole time? That's what that's what it says on the website. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Might be able to do the one-mile run at the front and the back with the 20-pound vest. Well, a 20-pound vest, for me... 
would be harder than a 20-pound vest for you, relatively speaking. Yeah, it seems like the extra weight ought to be proportional to your starting weight. But I think the point of the challenge is dress like you're in the military, ready for combat, and then do all the things. you got to be fit to be in the military. I can remember when your high school running buddy came back at Christmas after his first semester in the Air Force Academy. He had just transformed into a fit fellow. Yeah, he was skinny like I was when we graduated high school together, but he came back much stronger. Yep, he had definitely been working out at the Academy. I remember him talking about parachuting, and then there was a survival activity where he had to like catch a rabbit in the wild and skin it and cook it and maybe not even cook it. He had to survive. Military training is rough. Yeah, maybe if you had to skin your own rabbit and eat it raw, maybe our podcast topic would become a little bit easier for folks. Because today, how about we talk about nutrition again? It's always a good topic. I'll start with dinner tonight. You did a wonderful job on dinner tonight. (laughs) Well, I think you did most of the work. You went to the grocery. I did. We had our extremely healthy version of spaghetti. We start with a spaghetti squash and quarter it. And depending on the size of the squash, most of the time I have you quarter it (laughs) just because it's a little hard for me to do. Yeah. So the key to quartering a spaghetti squash is to have a big, sharp knife. And keep your fingers out of the way. Well, what I do is I put an oven mitt on my left hand and a (laughs) knife in my right hand. I put it on top, the knife on top of the spaghetti squash, and I beat down on the knife with my oven mitt, giving me a little bit of cushion, protecting my fingers, and it wasn't that bad. So once you quarter a spaghetti squash, the pieces have a bunch of seeds and like wet, slimy stuff in the middle. So we then use a spoon and rake all that out. And once we do that, we put it in the oven. We put all four quarters in the oven, no preheat. We just put it in the cold oven. And then we set the baking temperature at 425. And we just roast the daylights out of that spaghetti squash. And that's a, if anybody wants to know, that's a, a good secret to getting nice roasted vegetables is starting with a cold oven. So once the spaghetti squash has baked for maybe 35, 40 minutes, you can start to see it brown, get a little golden brown on the top. Today I had a little bit of black stuff on the top, so I'm thinking maybe all the slimy stuff wasn't raked off, so I had to finish raking that off. But then you just take a fork and you start scraping out the spaghetti squash and it looks just like noodles. Yeah, it's about the right color. They're thinner noodles, Mm -hmm. but it tastes wonderful. Yep. I always stir in on mine a little bit of Himalayan pink salt and pepper and stir that into the quote unquote noodles really well. And then you'll never guess what brand of marinara sauce we use. It's our favorite, Rayos. Yep. And it's sugar-free. And they're not a sponsor of ours. We just love their sauce. Yeah, so a full cup of spaghetti squash noodles and a full cup of Rayos only makes for 191 calories. So you can just 
eat all, eat that all night long. <laughs> and it's just packed with vitamins and minerals and nutrients that are good for the body. And it tastes delicious. And it tastes delicious. I have pretty much learned that throw rayos on anything and it tastes delicious. But I do actually like the spaghetti squash noodles with or without the rayos. Yeah. They're good. And sprinkle Himalayan pink salt on just about anything. It's pretty good too. Yeah. Well, you know me and salt. It's a good thing we found a healthy version. So the first time that we discussed nutrition on our podcast, it was in the middle of winter. So I thought it would be worthwhile to revisit it. And after we revisit some of the key components of good nutrition, I'd like to maybe share some of our summer go-to foods because they're not only tasty, but they're packed with essential vitamins and minerals that we need for fueling endurance training and also aid in rebuilding after a tough workout. We really want to think about food in terms of making ourselves stronger. It's nice if the food tastes good and you can find good quality food that tastes good, but taste is not the key ingredient. Right, and I think we talked about that a little bit when Dr. Black was on the podcast is our athletes have no problem doing grueling hill repeats that are no fun when they're in the middle of them, but they know it's making them fitter and stronger. But then we may suggest a food that would be a great food source for a particular macro or nutrient, and they'll go, oh, but I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think our mindset, and we talked about this before, our mindset around food is just a little bit skewed. So that's why with food, we do try to come up with things that are tasty and a little bit more palatable. Yeah, I think we do a pretty good job, and it's going to be fun sharing some of that with our listeners. Yeah. So we've discussed on a number of podcasts that we need to fuel our bodies with clean and lean protein. Health. That's a nice rhyme. Clean and lean, yes. Healthy carbohydrate and healthy fat. We have also discussed that as coaches, if our athletes want help with nutrition, we offer that, but we don't insert ourselves into that area of their lives unless we're invited, which is fine because some of our athletes, when we onboard them, could already be the poster child for what great nutrition looks like. But the other end of the spectrum, we may have athletes who will jokingly say that pizza, donuts, and beer are how they carb load to get ready for training and racing. I was out for a walk one day this week. A neighbor came riding past me on his bike, and he said as he was going by, Hey, you stopped by my house. I need you to look at my bike. So after I finished my walk, I went over to his house and... He showed me some things on his bike, and I, I gave him some pointers. He fixed his bike. Don't be humble. <laughs> and he commented that he was trying to lose weight. He said he, he gets up at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and he goes to one of these exercise places where they have the temperature at 125 degrees, and he works out for 45 minutes. And then he was riding his bike in the morning, and then he says he's he's taking swim lessons, he does some weightlifting, but he just can't seem to lose his weight. And I asked him about what he eats. He goes out to eat all the time, but he said that 
he really doesn't eat very much. He said he didn't drink a lot either. So I said, well, why don't you start tracking what you're eating? Anyway, it was just one of those situations where somebody reached out looking for some help. And you know, if he wants some help, I'd be glad to help him with nutrition. Yeah. And really today we're going to walk through this as if we're talking about and with athletes that know very little about nutrition. So if you're already an expert on nutrition, you might want to fast forward through some of this, but I just really want to break it down and maybe talk a little bit about where we start with one of our athletes that really has no clue when it comes to fueling for endurance sports. Start with the basics. Starting with the basics. So if we have an athlete reach out to us and ask for help, the first thing we have them do is to download an app that tracks calories in and calories out. And there are several out there. Some people pay for Noom or some people use an app called Lose It. If our athletes don't have a preference, which if they're already using one of those, we'll just roll with that. But if they don't have a preference, then I just ask them to download the free version of my fitness pal. And that's just simply because that's the one that we use and just have the most familiarity with it. So when they download Fit My Fitness Pal, they enter whether they're male or female, enter height, age, weight, goal weight. And when I say goal weight, like when an athlete reaches out to us with nutrition, it really to us has nothing to do with the size of the athlete whether they perceive they need to lose weight or gain weight or to us it's much more about eating healthy to fuel the load the workload yeah it's about being healthy yeah so when they enter their goal weight it could be the exact same weight that they are or it could be a a higher weight we have some athletes who want to put on a few pounds or have a hard time maintaining their weight as their activity increases But I would say the majority of our athletes who reach out and want help in this area are wanting to shed a pound or so in the process. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And then there's a weekly go. You can set a weekly go to gain a half pound a week if you're trying to put on weight. You can make your goal maintain current weight or you can make your goal to lose so much a week and we never especially if our athletes are in a huge build to an event we never want them to set a go of losing more than a half pound to a pound per week because really and we've discussed this before it's nice that an athlete's kind of at their goal weight when they go into a 12 14 20 week training cycle for their a race of the year yeah because they need all the nutrients to help them execute their workouts and recover from the workouts. Mm-hmm. So don't want, we don't want to starve the body while we're stressing the body. Right. And then for my fitness pal, you then set what your daily activity level is like. And this is a little bit tricky for our athletes because we want them to think about what their daily activity is like outside of their training, outside of when they're when they outside of when they've got their watch running to calculate calories they're burning during a workout. So for this category, we really have them think about, okay, 
at work, do you sit all day? If so, then we want them to pick inactive. Uh, the next category is lightly active. So I think of this in terms of maybe a teacher who you know stands quite a bit or walks around the classroom some, sits by students some. So there is some activity throughout the day, but I would consider that lightly active. And then the next category is active. And then I would think of that like the guys who were out in our neighborhood last month running internet cables underground. Like they were up and moving some and, you know. Working a shovel. Yeah, working a shovel and things like that. And then it goes all the way up to very active. I'd say the guys that come out here with their push mowers and weed eaters and are going from yard to yard. So anyway, you just kind of have to gauge that. And once you set all that, my fitness pile, based on all that data, calculates the minimum number of calories you should eat each day to hit your goal. If it's if the goal is to maintain the weight, if the goal is to lose a half pound a week or gain a half pound a week, it sets that baseline calories of what you would need to consume to hit everything that you set. And one of the keys here too is most of the time our athletes will enter the weight they think they are in their head. So it's really important when you initially set this up to actually go step on the scale, no matter how scary that might be. (laughs) Yeah, and it's best to have minimal clothes on when you weigh and be consistent when you weigh in the future. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then the final step with my fitness pal is we have them synchronize it to training peaks so that beyond their activity level of inactive all the way up to very active for the baseline calories, then if you have a long run or a tempo run or a short run or a big swim or a short swim, a three-hour bike or a 30-minute bike, all of those calories are captured in training peaks that you burn, and then that loads into my fitness pal. So now you have your base calories in addition to the calories that you burn. And then that is the goal number of calories to consume. And if an athlete's trying to lose weight, I encourage them to always eat their base calories. Let's just say that this particular athlete can have 1,600 calories per day as calculated to lose their half pound a week or whatever they have set up then I want to make sure they eat 1,600 calories per day, not 1,601. Now, if they get to 1,590, 1,580, that's pretty good. You know, if they're just barely below, but want them to stay in the habit of not getting above that. But then in addition, I encourage them to eat at least half of the calories that they burn in their workout. They can go all the way up to the full amount, but sometimes... When you've done a five-hour bike ride, sometimes it's just hard to consume all those extra calories. I don't know. I'm pretty good at consuming food. You are a master at consuming food, but your calorie intake's not that high because you eat pretty healthy. I can eat a lot of spaghetti squash. We could, yeah, we could eat the entire farmer's field of spaghetti squash and be all right. (laughs) So that's just where we start with our athletes. We don't even ask them to change anything about what they're eating. We just say, okay, now that you have this app loaded, you have all the information, 
you have your workouts loading into it. What we want you to do is nail the calories, like get in the correct number of calories each day based on the work to support the work that you're doing that day. And it's very eye-opening to them because, I mean, recently we had an athlete just start with this and just dinner, like the nighttime meal, was more calories than the athlete should have been consuming for the entire day. Yeah, that's eye-opening. So we kind of let that go for a couple of weeks, just letting them log everything and seeing what changes that they make and let them work on getting those calories in line. But that also lets them see what items they're eating are attributing the most calories. Yes. Yeah, they quickly realize that running three miles doesn't mean they can eat the whole pizza. (laughs) Like, I think, especially if you start running as an adult, you think, oh, I'm going to start running and then I can eat anything I want. It really doesn't work that way for a variety of reasons. A, you're always going to be eating more calories than you're burning if that's your mindset. But B, you're not being mindful about what nutrients you're feeding your body. And this is important outside of exercising. I don't don't know where this came from, but there was a book laying on my side of the bed last night. You were asleep. You saw that? Yeah, you were asleep and I go to lay down. There's a book on eating healthy. I, I think it's based on according to the Bible. I haven't read the book yet, so I thought that was very interesting. So I'm going to be reading through that book. and I guess you put that there. I did. Yeah, when we were cleaning out your mom's garage she had a collection of books and i pulled that one aside thinking that would be a good one for us to take a look at yeah so might be finding some information in that book and we'll have to have a third podcast on nutrition so anyway what i was saying is and i think that's what this book is about as well as eating healthy is important to fuel our sport But eating healthy is also important just for our health, to keep our bodies healthy and functioning the way God created them. Yeah, to have a high quality of life, we need good food, we need to get plenty of rest, we need to get exercise, and we need to have some fun too. Yep. So once an athlete who's asked for our help, again, just want to reiterate We do not talk to our athletes about weight, nutrition, those types of things, unless we're asked to. And then we're happy to help in any way we can. But once they become proficient at consuming the correct number of calories and are good at making adjustments according to the workout load, then we start getting more into the weeds about what they are eating. So our strategy here is to look at what they currently eat Because if you look at what they currently eat, you know, do they have a sweet tooth or is it salt and chips? Like everyone's different as far as what they crave. So what we like to do is tweak what they're eating to get a better balance of nutrients and macros. So we just want to meet nutrient rich selections. I can't even remember where I read this, but it may have been in Matt Fitzgerald's book because I've look through his stuff a lot when I'm looking at nutrition, but I read that it's great to have nutrition knowledge, but we don't eat nutrition. We eat food. 
what we want is to help our athletes find foods that they like to eat and will eat that are superfoods, have good nutrition in them. Nutrition-rich foods. Yes. Reminds me of something Dr. Black said. He was saying, you want to eat a variety of colors. Mm-hmm. So I've really been trying to do that with my lunchtime salad that I've been eating. And you know what that usually results in? What's that? I think I need a bigger bowl. <laughs> I do. <laughs> we need to buy some bigger bowls for my salad. I mean, you're already using bowls that aren't your traditional size. It's already a pretty large bowl. I'm a growing boy. You got to eat all the colors, though. got to have a really big bowl. We've also mentioned before the importance of trying to eat non-processed foods, such as fresh vegetables, fresh fruits, and then lean and clean protein, protein, fish, chicken, and even beef. What do you think about barbecued chicken? I think... My dad likes to buy barbecued chickens at the church that my mom attended. And he's a generous man, so he buys a lot of chickens, and then he drives around delivering those. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one in the family that will eat barbecued chicken, and I like it quite a bit. From a healthy standpoint, once I pull off the skin, what do you think? Yeah, if you're just... Well, I mean, I don't know where they... I don't know where the people cooking the chickens got the chicken, but I'm going to guess they're not pasture-raised and like they may not be the healthiest chicken. No, I'm sure they're farm-raised in a barn. Chicken up against chicken. Yeah, so this brings me to a great point. In the selection of lean proteins, you've probably heard the saying before, you eat what it ate. What did that chicken eat? I don't know where those chickens were raised, but I'm going to talk about this in terms of eggs for a minute, if that's okay. All right. So if you think about an egg, really an egg is one of the most healthy foods to consume. Did you know that? I did not. So the whole egg, if you eat it like the white and the yolk, it's packed with 22 essential amino acids, and amino acids are the building blocks of protein if you can remember seventh grade biology (laughs) yeah but a lot of people are scared of the yolk and so they take out the yolk because of a cholesterol fear well when you remove the yolk you're taking away half of the amino acids and really almost all the healthy fat so an egg is actually considered to be a complete protein that has a very high biological value which just means it's really a superfood. So many will only eat the egg whites for fear of the yolk. However, the yolk actually increases HDL, the good cholesterol, not LDL, the bad cholesterol. So not only are half the essential amino acids in the yolk, but almost all of the nutrients are in the yolk. I did my egg research for this podcast. Did you know that the healthiest way to eat an egg is raw? I did not. Yeah. So I always eat my egg scrambled, but based on this research, I'm not going to start eating it raw because, I mean, that just doesn't sound good. But the next best choice is sunny side up where the yolk stays very liquidy, or you can do a 
soft boil instead of a hard boil of the egg, and that keeps the yolk runny. But they say you want to keep the yolk runny and not change the healthy fat structure of the yolk. So if you see me eating a sunny side up or poached egg, I'm not turning into my father. I just read that, hey, that really is the healthy way to eat an egg. So there's no risk in eating a raw egg like there would be eating raw beef or raw chicken? I don't know. I've heard that there's the possibility of getting salmonella if you consume a raw egg, but I don't really know for sure. I'm not going to eat raw eggs, so I didn't really delve into whether or not they were safe to eat. Well, I was thinking about putting it in my protein shake in the morning. Oh, well, then we better research that. So my current recipe for my protein shake is I, I get about a half cup of Fairlife milk, and then I put a little bit of beetroot powder in that, and then I put a scoop of protein powder, a dash of cinnamon, and a dash of turmeric. And then I top it off with some water, and then that just softens it up so that it's not clumpy. I think I could <laughs> clumpy. I think I could hide an egg in there, and it'd still be tolerable. Probably so. And speaking of eggs, you were talking about eggs and egg whites and yolks. You remember back in high school, I had the bright idea I was going to make you a dessert one time. I didn't know anything about cooking. <laughs> I just I found this recipe. I don't know where I found it. Um, it was for a chocolate torte, and the, the picture looked really good. <laughs> so I decided, well, I'm going to surprise my girlfriend and make her a chocolate torte dessert. And the recipe called for an egg white. So naive that I was at the time. You've got the clear runny stuff in the egg. The egg white. You got the yellow yolk. The yolk. And you got the little white speck in the yolk. That I presume was going to be a chicken, if you let it. Hang with the roosters. (laughs) (laughs) And then you got that little white speck on the yolk. So my thought was, I need that little white speck from the yolk (laughs) to put in this chocolate torte. And I threw the rest of the egg away. He threw away the white and the yolk. Do you remember the chocolate torte? I remember you confining me to the bedroom for two hours while you made the chocolate torte. And then you had me come out and you had, I don't know what a chocolate torte is supposed to be, but it was extremely dense, I'm guessing, because it had no egg white in it. (laughs) It lost all its fluff. But the Cool Whip was delicious. Yeah, so anything you put Rayos on is going to be good. Anything you put Cool Whip on is going to be good. This is true. It is a thought that counts, so... Thank you for that. All right. I think I made it later on and actually used the egg white with Cool Whip again, though. Mm -hmm. I'm finished talking about eggs. Okay. Well, I'm not. I got a whole lot more on eggs. All right. Let's go. Yeah. So the nice thing about eggs is you find them on the perimeter of most grocery stores, and we really encourage, like, produce, meat. If you just go around the perimeter, you're going to find most of your healthy foods on the perimeter, with a few exceptions. But anyway, when you're looking at eggs, you can buy eggs that are 75 cents per dozen, all the way up to $5 per dozen. I just want to say, if you're going to pay $5 or more per dozen, make sure it's for a really clean egg from a clean chicken rather than a market scam. I'm going to tell you what some market scams are. Cage-free is a market scam. 
that just means they're all, all the chickens are crammed into the building or the warehouse and they still can't move anywhere because they're just packed in there. They're just not in individual cages or boxes. So that's what cage free means. And then there's free range. So when you hear free range, what do you think? The chickens are running around outside having a, a good old time. Oh, give me a home <laughs> where the buffalo roam. Isn't that kind of what you think? Oh, yeah. No. For it to have that label, it just means that this warehouse or building that has the chickens packed in so tight that they can't move, that somewhere in that warehouse there has to be a little bitty door that the chicken could go in and out of if it actually knew the door was there and could move to get to the door. And then outside that door is some plot of dirt or something. That is all it takes for free range. But then there are vegetarian-fed chickens. Okay, so chickens that eat grains, one would presume. (laughs) So vegetarian-fed chickens are actually the dirtiest chickens. Really? Because not only are they sitting in a warehouse where they can't move, just sitting in their own filth, like the cage-free and free-range, they're also being fed GMOs, all the genetically modified grains, and it's just not a clean chicken. So it's not a clean egg. You're making me not want to eat eggs (laughs) or chicken. No, I'm just saying, if you're going to eat those, you might as well just be eating the 75-cent eggs from chickens in a cage because all those eggs are the same pretty much so what you really are looking for is if you're going to pay more for eggs make sure it says pasture raised that means the chickens are roaming on the plane and you know chickens are not vegetarians they eat bugs and flesh and you know they're not vegetarians i didn't know that i remember hearing a local chicken farmer talking about his farm and in each of his chicken barns that's what i'm going to call it i believe he said he would have thirty thousand chickens that would go from baby chicks to ready to be sold in like 40 days and then all those chickens would be taken away and they bring in thirty thousand more baby chicks yeah so back to your original question about the barbecue chicken so it really kind of depends on where the chickens were raised and then the barbecue sauce is probably loaded with sugar but if you're picking the skin off then just eating the white meat then there's still some barbecue flavor in the chicken meat right but whether we're talking about chickens or eggs or beef what you want is actual farmers raising these animals on the farm outside where they get sunlight and they're eating non-genetically modified foods that's what you're looking for so you're looking for animals raised in a pasture grazing eating clean and especially you don't want to be eating meat from animals that are injected with growth hormones because if we're eating what it eats and we're eating growth hormones, that's not very good for the majority of us who really are not wanting to gain weight 
And really, it just causes all these meats to cross over into the category of junk food. I wonder if this is why there's been a recent trend of homeowners raising their own chickens. I don't know. We should look into that. Mm-hmm. I think our neighbors would love us. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> so anyway, we're wanting to feed ourselves the best fuel we can. And I guess the simple analogy is if you put bad fuel, gasoline, oil, just bad fuel into your car, your car is not going to run optimally and the car is going to break down much sooner. If you know a local farmer, this is the best way to obtain eggs or chicken or beef. With beef, aside from wanting the cows raised in a pasture and fed naturally, you also want the lean cuts of meat. So beef is a source of some nutrients that are not readily available in other protein sources, such as selenium, niacin, B12, B6, and phosphorus. Beef is also a great source of iron and zinc, and obviously a great source of protein. However, many who struggle with LDL levels, the bad cholesterol, they think they need to avoid beef. But some recent research has shown that beef may not be the culprit of high cholesterol. It's the quality of the meat as well as the quality of food that is consumed in conjunction with the meat that matters. Here's an example of why beef gets a bad rap. So most people say they eat a hamburger. They're going through a fast food drive-thru and they're getting a cheeseburger and french fries and a soft drink. So, first of all, this meat is likely not pasture animals. It's likely animals that are given GMO grains to fatten them up quickly. It's just cheaper quality of meat. And also, the burger is going to be in the range of 75 to 80% lean, which means up to 25% of it is just animal fats, which are not good fats. They're not healthy fats. Couple that with a bun, which really, a white bun, metabolizes in your system the same way sugar does. So a white bun is loaded in carbs, has almost no nutritional value, no vitamins and minerals. And then the french fries, also loaded with carbs, are just saturated in fat as well. And so if you're getting your beef on a bun with fries, then yes, that is going to negatively impact your cholesterol. Make sense? Yeah. So what this study did is they removed all the other foods and they had their participants eat more of a Mediterranean-style diet with all the fresh vegetables and fruits, uh, spinach, carrots, radishes, cucumbers, broccoli. You have a salad with all that. They had people get their nice, lean, 96% lean beef, eat it with a sweet potato and a salad with all those vegetables and all the colors you were talking about. And some people just can't eat a salad without dressing. So you can use a homemade or sugar-free salsa and kind of mush in a little bit of avocado with that for a healthy fat. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Yeah. If I'm eating all this at home... I can control. I know my beef is grass-fed. I know it has no 
hormones, it's pasture raised, it's 96% lean. I know the nutritional value is much better than if we go through the drive-thru. But in addition to that, and this is what the study showed, is that I'm surrounding it with all the fresh fruits and vegetables. And if I can't do without the bun, you could always get a sprouted bread, like toasted Ezekiel bread or some other whole grain, instead of the processed flour bun for the win. So a whole lot more nutrition to fuel the sport. And in the study, it showed that cholesterol levels were not negatively impacted when beef was eaten surrounded by the Mediterranean diet type foods. So it sounds like I need to rethink my no beef strategy of lowering my LDL. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think you can lower your LDL without beef. I don't think it was saying that beef lowers your LDL. I think it's saying beef eaten in the context of healthy food and if the beef itself is lean and clean, then it will not negatively impact the cholesterol. Yeah. I guess what I was thinking is if, if we are cooking beef at home, then it's just more convenient if I partake of that, if it's not going to impact my cholesterol, rather than cooking something separate just for myself. Yeah, and I don't think that we cook beef enough or eat beef enough here that would impact it. I mean, how often do I cook beef? Maybe once every three weeks now. We're cooking a lot less than we used to. I agree. It's because I don't like cooking it just for myself because it rots in the refrigerator. But I'm happy with other food choices as well, so that's all right. So anyway, we do know that weight may be as simple as calories consumed versus calories burned, but eating healthy is way more than just about weight. It's about fueling our bodies and being healthy. So food quality matters. If you eat out, find restaurants that have grass-fed, high-quality meats. Find restaurants that serve veggies and fruits. And depending on where you live, this can be a challenge for sure. I know our hometown at one time was known as the fast food capital (laughs) of the nation or something. like. We have a lot of unhealthy choices in our town. If you eat at home, eat organic fruits and veggies in their most natural state. Raw is probably the best, but steamed is good. Baked or broiled, all those can be good. Roasted veggies are delicious. We talked a little bit at the beginning of the podcast about how to roast vegetables. So we like roasting asparagus, broccoli, cauliflower, all of the roots, the potatoes and carrots and parsnips. You're making me hungry. Oh, I'm not hungry. We ate a lot tonight. (laughs) And summertime is the best for getting fruits and veggies in their most natural state. Just find a local farmer's market and make a delicious smoothie. So here are some things that I like to throw in a smoothie. And I would say experiment with this. And experiment in small quantities and taste test these things. But the fruits I like to use are berries, like strawberries, raspberries, and blueberries. Apples do a great job of sweetening, naturally sweetening the smoothie. So I like to use apples. Spinach and kale. And then you talked about earlier cinnamon. I probably eat more cinnamon than 
you know, 25 other people combined. <laughs> you eat quite a bit of cinnamon, but it's good for you. Yep. And pineapple's good to throw in. And then I like to throw ice in as well because it just really makes it slush up and just delicious, especially in, on a hot summer day. So I throw all this into a really high-powered blender. We have a Vitamix, but there are others as well that are high-powered. And it's so good. And then if you want to add protein, you could do a protein powder if you wanted to, but I usually just scoop in some 0% fat plain Greek yogurt. And we use Fage as our brand, but I'm sure there's other good brands as well. I just kind of like the texture of that. Jacob got us on to Fage. Well, actually, you just recently started on yogurt. Yeah, I had been using natural Jif peanut butter in my breakfast oatmeal. And I think we ran out of Jif peanut butter. And so I decided, well, I'm going to try putting some 0% Fage in the oatmeal and... It was equally tasty, and I believe it actually has more protein. So I've started eating a big serving of yogurt each morning in my oatmeal. I don't think I eat as much yogurt in a day as you do, but we go through the yogurt. We go through the yogurt. The truth being known about that story is at Kroger Pickup one day, they substituted my 0% Fage with 2% Fage. 5%. 5%. Yes. Fat. So I wasn't going to eat it, and there were four or five big containers of it because we buy a bunch of yogurt. And Dean, not wanting things to go to waste, started using the yogurt instead of the peanut butter. And he liked the protein content. So once his 5% was gone, he shelved the peanut butter and started in on the 0%. So now I just have to hide my containers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we just have to buy more. So we talked about my salad and needing a bigger bowl. Mm-hmm. I need a bigger bowl for my oatmeal too. Or less yogurt. I need to keep my calories up. <laughs> so anyway, another thing that I really like to do in the summer is make, and I have quotes around this, air quotes, ice cream. So I like to take ripe bananas and slice them up and freeze them. So I have frozen banana slices in the refrigerator. And sometimes I have an entire shelf full of frozen bananas, just depending. And in the summer, I have all these ice cream recipes. And this is where I I don't use the high-powered blender for this. I actually use the food processor because I think it whips it up into a better texture. But if you take the sliced ripe banana that's frozen and you throw in with it some frozen pineapples and let that food processor work its magic and cream it up. Have you ever had Dole Whip at Disney? I have. I mean, it's not exactly that, but it's pretty good. Or or you can make a nut butter ice cream with the frozen bananas and then you can either just throw Fresh cashews, raw cashews in, or you can throw in raw peanuts or raw almonds, or it creams up a little faster and a little better, especially if your food processor isn't extremely high-powered. You can actually put those natural nut butters, like a tablespoon of cashew butter in 
with the slices of banana and it makes a really delicious nut butter ice cream. And then of course my favorite is just taking the frozen banana slices and dumping some cinnamon in with it and creaming it up really good. And I'm telling you, cinnamon ice cream, it's a thing. It's good. I seem to remember a few years ago, we were on a kick where we were taking cashews and making cashew butter, mm-hmm. large quantities mm-hmm. of cashew butter. And I would get a serving of that in a bowl. And I think I mixed maple syrup with it and stirred <laughs> it up. Oh my goodness. That was out of this world. Yeah, I think you could easily sit and eat 2,000 calories without knowing it with that yeah. creamed up. And, you know, a lot of people, when they make nut butters, they'll they'll be impatient. They'll put it in their food processor, and it just doesn't seem to be creaming up, so they'll add some water. No, I don't do that. Just patience. Patience. Scrape it off the sides and let it keep going, and finally it just whips into sheer deliciousness. But it is a lot of calories. It is a lot of calories, so you want to make sure you just take your one to two tablespoons and put the rest away. But if you go for a five-hour bike ride and you have a hard time consuming all your calories, that might be an option. Makes sense. And it might throw your macros off for the day. And eat it right when it comes out warm. Oh, oh so good. Is that making you hungry? No, I'm still stuffing from all the... <laughs> Spaghetti squash. I think we have some cashews. We do. You want me to make you some cashew butter? I haven't done that in a long time. So a couple of other summery foods. Just go to the produce section and buy grapes and pineapple and kiwi and strawberry and blueberries and whatever fruit you love and chop it all up and just have a big bowl of fruit salad in the refrigerator ready to consume and at breakfast that's delicious with the fage zero percent fat greek yogurt too and adds protein if i had a bigger bowl for my oatmeal i'd put that fruit salad on top of it you would you would that would be out of this world this is a complete tangent but i don't know what you had in your oatmeal at bethany and jessica's triathlon last sunday but it looked green I don't know what you had in it. Don't even tell me. But I didn't have anything unusual in it. I just I put it in a tumbler instead of a bowl so that it was easier to transport. Are you sure you didn't actually have some kale or spinach in there? I did not. It was interesting. Anyway, I'm going to mention one more summer recipe that I love. And that is just take some lean, clean, white meat, chicken, Broil it, bake it, however you want to cook it. Dice it up into cubes and just refrigerate that. So you've got the chicken in one bowl. You've got your chopped up celery in another bowl. You've got your chopped up purple and green grapes in another bowl. And then you've got some, all that's in the refrigerator. Then you have some chopped walnuts in the pantry. Just get that out and measure the quantities depending on how much protein you need or how much fat you need and mix all that together and it is the most delicious chicken salad. And it is a dry chicken salad, but if you can't stand it dry, you can get a teaspoon or two. It doesn't take much of that. I guess that Marzetti Ranch is probably the most healthy 
that I've been able to find, but just, you can mix in just a tad of that. It won't add too much fat. And, uh, ah, that chicken salad's great in the summer. Mm. Yep. Everything you eat has calories in it, but not everything you eat has nutritional value. If I eat my nutritious foods first and I have some calories left over in the day, it's really not going to kill my workout or my health. If I occasionally eat a chocolate chip cookie, not the bag of chocolate chip cookies, and for me it has to be a gluten-free chocolate chip cookie just because of my, you know, gluten issue. We don't want you getting sick. We do not. Or, you know, I could occasionally walk to Dairy Queen and get one of those little miniature blizzards. I mean, ordinarily we don't, but as much healthy foods as we eat, we could occasionally save a few of our calories for something like that. So all that to say this, after our athletes have their calories under control, that's when we begin talking about the quality of the food. Because honestly, the quality of the food is at least as important, probably more important than the quantity of the food. But the nice thing too is when our athletes switch over and they start eating high quality foods, with the exception of the healthy fats, because they're still very calorie dense. But if you don't think about the nut butters and the avocados and some of those healthy fats, our athletes are just shocked at the amount of food they can eat in a day if they're eating those high quality foods. So really the last piece that I want to talk about, and then we can talk about whatever nutrition related, is in Matt Fitzgerald's book, The New Rules of Marathon and Half Marathon Nutrition, he suggests that over the course of the week, the total number of servings should be in descending order for these categories of foods. And his categories of foods are a little bit different than the way some people categorize foods, but I think this simplifies it. So his categories, the the top two are must-eats, and these are the only two categories that everyone must eat, and that's vegetables and fruits. Okay, so we've got vegetables and fruits, and then his next categories, next three categories are should eat these if you can tolerate them or if you're not on some kind of special diet that prohibits these foods. But these are nuts and seeds. And remember, the servings are small for nuts and seeds. So if I'm going to have a serving of vegetables, one serving of vegetables is going to be a much larger quantity than one serving of nuts. Does that make sense? It does. And then there's the fish and lean meats and then the whole grains. And I just want to remind everyone, whole grains can also be a market scam. Brown rice is a whole grain. Quinoa, road oats, sprouted wheat. But remember this, most bread, even quote unquote wheat bread on grocery shelves, is highly processed and really belongs in the sweets category. So we've got the musts of vegetables and fruits, the shoulds of nuts and seeds, fish and lean meats, and whole grains, and then an also good category, if your system can tolerate it, a lot of people are intolerant to this category, but that's dairy. And all of those are considered above-the-line foods, and you want to eat the above-the-line foods. And then there's the below-the-line foods. 
the best of the below the line food category is refined grains and refined grains would be things like white rice or fried rice two servings of brown rice versus two servings of white rice makes all the difference in the world like brown rice is healthy white rice is not so brown rice would go up in the whole grains category does that make sense Yeah. And we've discussed this on a previous podcast, but most so-called wheat breads are not whole grain. To pick on Subway again, in the previous podcast, we told you Subway bread is classified as a pastry in Ireland. The nine grain wheat bread, that's probably what you order if you order bread at Subway, right? Like nine grain wheat bread, it's got to be great, right? It sounds healthy. It has zero whole grain like no whole grain in fact none of the bread at subway contains whole grain and then fatty meats is below the line and we've dwelled on meat a lot in this podcast so i won't go there and then sweets sugar is the number one cause of weight gain candy desserts soft drinks even diet soft drinks alcohol are all calorie dense and provide no nutrients They do not satiate your hunger. All added sugars are fattening. High fructose corn syrup gets the worst rap, and rightly so. However, if you don't consume any of the high fructose corn syrup and you just replace it with other added sugars like dextrose or other table sugars, you're still going to gain weight. And then the very worst category, like even worse than sweets, is fried foods. Frying foods, that process strips the nutrients from good foods. And then the oils sometimes double or even triple the calories in the food. Just don't eat fried foods. Going back to what Matt Fitzgerald said about you're wanting to eat these food categories in descending order. And I actually did this leading up to my Ironman Louisville event. I don't know if you remember this. I had a spreadsheet and I would track how many servings of each category that I ate at each meal. And then at the end of the week, I had a count. And then what you want is for your vegetables to be the servings you had the most of. So let's just say that over the course of the week, I had 20 servings of vegetables, then I would want my fruits to be fewer servings than that. Say my fruits were then 15 servings, and then I would want my nuts and seeds to be less than that. Maybe I had 10 handfuls of nuts and seeds, and then I would want my fish and meats to be less than that. So maybe that was seven servings, and then whole grains less than that, six, and then dairy maybe four And then that's all the above the line foods. The below the line foods, you really want at zero. But, you know, sometimes I'm going to eat that chocolate chip cookie. Or sometimes I'm going to, probably not. I'm trying to think of what else I would eat down there. I don't eat refined grains at all. But if I did, I would want my refined grains to be less than the dairy. I would want my fatty meats to be less than my fine grains. And then maybe if I had three servings of sweets that week, then I wouldn't want more than one or two servings, if any, of fried foods. 
So I what I did during Ironman training is I tried to keep all of the below the line foods at zero and then have my vegetables, fruits, nuts and seeds, lean meats, whole grains and dairy in descending order. Yeah. And we're not perfect eaters. We like to splurge every once in a while. And about every six weeks or so, we make a trip to Nashville. And we've got a favorite restaurant down there, Hop Dottie. And they have some really good French fries. I had the barbecued French fries this last time. And you had, what, the Parmesan crusted French fries? Yes. But that's not something we do daily, weekly, even monthly. It's just a nice little splurge every once in a while. And their black bean burger is really good. So I was going to mention one other thing related to summertime nutrition. And it's really important year-round, but it's so important to fuel your body with adequate water. And if you're concerned about your weight, drinking a good amount of water is going to help reduce your hunger for other foods. But the main reason I'm bringing it up is you just don't want to get dehydrated when you're doing all the things, training hard to reach your goals. That's right. So I came up with two scriptures for today's podcast that kind of go along with the topic. Because the swimming scripture earlier really didn't go along with the topic. It really didn't, no. Go right ahead. All right, so they're both from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know, Dean, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So one way that we can keep from destroying God's temple is by nourishing it well. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And the same for our training and racing. Do it all for the glory of God. Did you know we have a Facebook group? We have a Facebook group. We do. Well, tell us about it. If our listeners would like to join our Facebook group, it's RYR Endurance Team. Just search for us. We have a really hard question you have to answer, and then we'll let you in for a really easy question. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.